Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody, to SEC Football and Beyond for this Tuesday June 8th, Chris Landry coming with the coming at you solo today as um, Neil, my co-host in crime, is um, is out today, I believe in Fayetteville, uh, bringing his daughter back um, uh, or something, something family related. So we've got, uh, again, going to go solo. Got a lot of things I want to get to today. I've got some questions already that um, were were sent in and feel free if you've got any questions you don't have time uh in the chat room um you can certainly send them via email hit contact chris on uh, landryfootball.com certainly can um follow me on twitter at landryfootball do it there and we'll get it but uh number of things to get to today nick saban with a new contract and um update on the arkansas uh you know what they have done with their offensive line and why the Julio Jones trade has happened since we last spoke. Aaron Rodgers will not show up today, not expected to show up today uh, for minicamp. Got a question about the playoffs, why we're going to 12 or likely going to 12. Um, I want to get into some things. Um, and, and this is a question about Florida football history. I'm going to get into that a little bit and going to try to carve out some time if you can't do it on this show, I'm uh, going to take some programs around the country, and certainly in this show we'll, we'll focus on the SEC programs, kind of go through the history, maybe some things that you may or may not be aware of, how they how we've gotten to this point. But want to start a little bit um, on where the college baseball playoffs have taken. What a night last night. I... Went, stayed up to, gosh, it was past 12.30 local time, watching LSU-Oregon, and what a great baseball game, as we now have um, six teams in the SEC that are going to Super Regionals. We've got um, 15 of the 16 teams in place. Apparently, there's some weather issues, and as we speak, Old Dominion and Virginia are playing live, 9 a.m. Eastern time, to try to determine who's going to uh, end up playing Dallas Baptist uh, in a region. Um, so uh, we'll um, we'll see how that plays out. Now, only if you look at it, only um, there's only the possibility of five SEC teams making it to Omaha. If everyone wins their region, then five could go. 
LSU-Tennessee play, so obviously one can move on, one will move on, one will not. But a fascinating game in Eugene late last night. It was the center stage. Stanford got in against uh, Cal Irvine but the, at the same time. But as the game was going on, LSU gets out. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, LSU gets out to lead. Oregon comes back. LSU comes back. Oregon comes back. LSU comes back. Uh, we're into the eighth inning. LSU's down. There's clearly some issues on the mound for Oregon. They get called for a balk. Um, it kind of falls apart. LSU gets into, LSU is the home team, even though they were in Eugene. So they were trying to close out the game, and that wasn't easy. It was a fascinating game. It, it was just LSU through every pitcher, you know, pretty much that they had. Did not use their closer at the end. Um, was able to get it done. So that's 15 Super Regional appearances. They've only lost. LSU has four of those. So uh, big uh, big for them. They uh, Big win for them. Pulmonary's ride continues. A lot of criticism about LSU getting in uh, the, the playoffs. Look, I, I don't know. I'm not a college. I don't study college baseball to know. I, I know this, that the RPI ranking was really high. And SEC baseball teams, uh, you know, a lot of people out west, well, a Pac-12 team wouldn't have gotten in with LSU's record. No, because as good as the Pac-12 is, the SEC, the strength of the conference is really strong. So even though you're sub-500 in the league, I guess you can debate. You deserve to get in. And not yeah, you can deserve. You can deserve it. Not deserve it. What have you? Certainly, LSU's ability to produce in those moments historically is phenomenal. They only, I think, only Florida State's been to more super regionals than LSU. I think LSU and, and Cal Fullerton are in that mode. So it's LSU, uh, Tennessee. I think it's going to be uh, maybe the marquee regional uh, out there in that you've got the hot Tennessee team with all the pressure at home because if they don't make the College World Series, it's not like Tennessee does this on a regular basis. So, you know, let's see what they can do and all the pressures on Tennessee. Appears that LSU's playing with house money right now. Um, Again, a lot of people didn't think LSU would even make the playoffs. Um, not only have they made it, they've advanced. And so it's I think anything at this point is gravy for them. Put a great finish to Arkansas, Nebraska. Um, a big-time jack to put Arkansas in, in a very tight game. Clear favorite nationally, Arkansas, getting in. Um, by a whisker. Of course, Vanderbilt is uh, also going to be hosting a region um, with uh, the East Carolina, um, Stanford, Texas Tech, Ole Miss. How about Ole Miss and Southern Miss? Homer after Homer after Homer after Homer. Um, was interesting to, to keep it. Ole Miss, Arizona. Ole Miss going out to Arizona. South Florida at Texas. Florida, big disappointment um, in their performance. As we mentioned, Dallas Baptist 
uh, is either going to face Old Dominion or West Virginia. LSU, Tennessee, and then Mississippi State getting in, uh, beating uh, Campbell um, in a in a very close matchup. Notre Dame and Mississippi State. So it, it'll, it'll be interesting if you're uh, if you're interested um, in looking at. I think the the most exciting time of year for college baseball, no question. Uh, it's a lot of fun that in the College World Series. So not going to get into a lot of details. Certainly not a lot of analysis on it. Don't have that for you. But a lot of fun. A lot of fun to watch it. Uh, Want to uh, get into a number of things. Want to uh, thank the folks, and we'll tell you a little bit more about them in a bit. The great folks at Blue Sky and Alpha Specialties. More about them in a second. But for bringing you this podcast for, for Neil and I, and remind you that if you haven't signed up for Twitch TV, go to twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. Hit the heart button, like us. Um, follow me on Twitter, all of that good stuff. Um, Want to also remind you, we are, as I've been mentioned, I've been grinding away on getting you um, all the film work done, previewing the college programs, NFL as well. Uh, and they're starting to get them out. Uh, actually, a couple more should have come out. The A&M one is already out. Um, we've got Florida's coming out in a little bit, and, and we'll just grind them through um, as we go forward. So we're going to get into um, a little bit of conversation on um, kind of how I'm doing it in, in that one of the things I try to do, uh, try to figure out what's the best way to give you the best analysis, the best information, um, the best feel for a team. So we kind of start off on each of the previews with giving you an update on all the off-season news and notes and analysis. Verbal commitments from the class of 2022, maybe you've lost track of that. Um, transfers, of course, who's transferred in, who's transferred out. Tough to, to keep track, right? I know we got you covered. We'll tell you about who they are, a little bit about them. Uh, we'll tell you about the commitments and a little bit about them. Uh, we'll also give you some news and notes about players that are coming back. Spring practice nuggets uh, in there as well. So if you're AM, you know, how good is uh, DeMarvin Leal? How good is Jalen uh, Wiedemeyer? Are they the best players on the offensive and defensive side of the ball for them coming back? Um, then we'll come back. When we go back basically through the to the start of the offseason to recruiting, then we have kind of a projected depth chart of kind of how things stand at this point. And we'll give an overview of the team and the program. Then we'll give an overview of the offense and go into quite a bit of detail and maybe give you a look at who some of the best players on each side of the ball are. Defense do the same thing. Special teams do the same thing. And then also have for you how players graded on the roster last year. Um, offense, defense, special teams, really important. So you want to see the guys that are not there and the guys that are there, how do they grade it? So that's what we're trying to do with this particular feature in it. And then the incoming recruiting class. Uh, kind of a recap again of the class overview and then kind of a ranking and evaluation of all the players that were brought in. And then a final analysis with a look at the schedule and whatnot. So I, we think it's the most in-depth look 
at the game of football from a coaching and scouting viewpoint, certainly. Uh, so check that out. Uh, some news I want to get to. Uh, came down yesterday, Nick Saban, contract extension through 2028, which would put him at age 77. Why did they do this? What's the reasoning behind it? Um, you know, is he going to go the length of it? Don't know. Here's a couple of things. It's been, it's not an issue. It's, it's not something that's really, um, and this has been in the works for some time. So the thought that maybe, hey, you know what, uh, Coach K, we talked about it late, Coach K retired and, you know, does this, did they think about this over the weekend and get this done? No, this has been in place for a while. But along with that, there's, there's going to be in October a monumental 70th birthday for a head coach, which is, is young in today's world. What, 70 is the new 50, I get it. It's still something that is an issue potentially that would be and will be used against luck. He's not going to be there that long. Um, it is, um, you know, you don't 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 believe. Well, what this does, it allows for Saban and Alabama to say, look, he signed this long contract. It doesn't guarantee in blood that he's going to be there for the whole time. But what it does, it kind of calms the waters in this world of we don't know what coach is going to be there three years from now, regardless of their age. This pretty much says, look, the guy feel, feels good. He's healthy. And he's not thinking, you know, for, for people that might be floating out, look, he wants to do this one more year, get one more title, and then he's gone. That's not what's going on here. That That's not... The plan is he wants to coach at least three or four more years, provided he's healthy. We don't know what he's going to feel like at 70 and a half or 71 or 72 or 73. Things may change. Obviously, that's going to affect it. But I think he's thinking in terms of recruiting, not that it's negatively affected him in any way, but this gives a message he's here He's going to be here for a long time. That's the plan anyway. As much as you can guarantee somebody's going to be here, you know he's not getting fired. The only issue is his age. Well, you know, he's... Um, this is basically kind of put that to rest as much as you can put it to rest. What I think's going to happen, I think he's going to coach three or four more years. And if he's healthy... He's probably going to coach three or four more to the end of this contract, and I think that'll be it. If there's anything between now and then that's going to, and, and certainly could with age, we all deal with it. It, it, it certainly could make this shorter. This is not, again, in any indication that, oh, look, this is his plan. I don't think his plan is, I want to go to him 77. I think his plan is, look, I want to be here. I'm healthy. Everything he said, I'm going forward um, with making the decision that I'm going to be here. <clears throat> so all the talk about 
one more year. No, no, no. That that's BS. I'm here. Um, then you go ahead and and you just deal with it as it comes. So that's the plan there. Uh, it is certainly there's uh, a lot of money involved. Somebody has asked me, you know, what Christian Noam, what's he like? What it would be like not coaching? A couple of things that come to mind. First of all, from a football standpoint. He loves what he does. He's got tremendous resources. He can delegate all the things that he wants to and then do the things that he enjoys doing. So he, more than anybody, he doesn't, for example, he doesn't like dealing with the media, but he likes it more than you think. In this regard, he likes giving his message out to the team, the the boosters and what have you, and he does that through the media. And so he likes doing that, and he controls the media. No, no one, certainly in a college town, certainly not in Tuscaloosa, that's going to be cross with him. He's going to deal with it. If he gets in a little mood, he doesn't like a question, he'll chew him out, and that's that. And that's he goes on with it. It's the only thing that can aggravate him, but it, but it doesn't aggravate him. It doesn't get under his skin because... He's not under this quote-unquote pressure that other people are on. He's under self-imposed pressure to do what he wants to do. He's, he, you know, it's not, if he doesn't win another title, it's not going to be, well, boy, I, I really I really screwed up my career. I mean, it's not going to be one of those things where he's somebody that's trying to win his first one. It's not Tom Osborne or Bobby Bowden later in their career, trying to win their first and try to win their second. I mean, the guy's won seven. He's done it at two places. I mean, so he's not. The other thing is the talk about, you know, would he consider maybe leaving and going? No, he he could he could leave and go work for an NFL team, run an or He could do that. This is an indication that this is where he's going to finish his career. We just don't know where the end is. It's also... You know, uh, for him, a situation where he is in complete control and enjoys it, and if he ceases to enjoy it, meaning things become not fun, he's not as healthy, and so therefore, when you're not healthy, then doing the things that you love to do are not as fun anymore. So you have to kind of deal with it as it comes. I think this is, um, it's, it's, to me, the other thing that he likes doing, he likes being a part of it, he likes the structure, he likes having that. The other thing that, I, that may be a surprise to folks that he does like, he likes the control and the trappings that come along with being a head coach. And here's what I mean by that. You know, he goes to the lake house. He, he doesn't do, they don't do a whole lot of traveling, but they do some. He's not the type of guy that's going to want to, he's certainly not the type of guy that's going to go to the airport with luggage and we're going to Disney World with the grandkids and stay in line. He, he's, he's kind of got that, presidential type of treatment. Everywhere he goes is on a private plane. Now, he can afford to go and 
do one of the net jets or wheels up or whatever. Yeah, he could do he, he's for a guy that makes a lot of money, he's pretty tight. He gets free plane travel anywhere he goes. Even if he wants to fly down for a weekend, so he he doesn't. He's not getting a ticket. It, he's getting a plane, and it's taken care of for him as extra perks that he doesn't have to dip into his large coffers of money to get. He also has police escort wherever he goes, um, unless he's driving to work back and forth. People drive him. You know, I mean, those are things that. If you're the ex-Alabama coach, you don't get. Um, you know, you just you don't you don't get the same type of treatment. He'd miss that. He'd miss that a lot. Um, again, not that they're like going to the Bahamas once a month. No, but when they do travel, and again, most of his travel is work-related, but and it's very little personal-related, but. When there is, there's somebody that will take care of it, a GA or whatever that will drive him. Or you know, so he's got a lot of uh, perks that maybe you might not think of, and you know he likes that. Um, having tailored clothing, clothing, and things—I mean, all things that he can afford, he could have in spades even after he retires. He gets that now as an extra perk. Where he doesn't dip into his big money and, and all the extra things. He's, you know, by now that he's owns a couple of Mercedes-Benz dealerships. His son runs one of them. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that he does that, that I think he would miss if he left. But he's cert. I don't know what he would do. I don't think he'd be fulfilled doing TV. I think for a little bit he would, but maybe not long range. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I think that's the that's a part of he enjoys what he's doing and he feels good at it. So that's the the whole story of it. Uh, a couple of questions here. And appreciate you joining us, and we'll take your questions and comments here. Brian asks, "Will Alabama do a coaching waiting type deal or start from scratch once Saban leaves? Start from scratch. Uh, won't be a coaching waiting. Won't be anything like that. First of all, there's not." A coaching waiting situation. And let me say this, Brian. I mean, I'm answering the question today. That's not the point. Look, um, there was a lot of thought that the guy that might likely be the replacement was Kirby Smart moving up from defense coordinator. We know Kirby's now deep into his Georgia career. And so, no, I mean, obviously that, that goes to show you. So I, here's what I'm I'm saying is right now there's not anyone that they would bring and put into that role uh, because Saban's idea is that not everybody's equal. Everybody's got a role, a defined role. I don't think he wants that. Now, if there is someone that organically becomes like the clear right hand man and and like maybe Kirby Smart was for years, if that guy emerges three, four, five years down the road, he might be the guy that Nick would, if asked, would, or even promote in behind the scenes 
I think they should be the guy. I don't think they'll ever give the coach in waiting title. For, right now, there's not even a candidate for that. You know, people might say, well, well what about Bill O'Brien? Bill O'Brien is head successful head coach at Penn State. He hadn't been in that program. So, so it, it's not he'll Bill have would have to earn his stripes in the program and kind of work his way to that. And I don't think Bill will be there long term. I think it'll be short term. And I'm not saying one year, but I don't think something but but if it were somebody like that that was proven, successful, what have you. I think Alabama is going to want to kind of keep their options open for who they can go after. Now, again, people will already speculate. Well, it's going to be Dabble. I don't think it's going to be Dabble. We don't know what the landscape's going to be. Well, my goodness, let's just say it's 2025, 2028. Can you imagine trying to figure that out right now? I mean, uh, who's high? I mean, it's going to look a lot different. And so I think there'll be candidates that emerge, and I don't think they're going to want to tie themselves. But I think if there's that right person down the road and there's not a clear, you know, uh, obvious choice outside, that person would probably have a pretty good shot. But naming him, uh, coaching, waiting, no. Don't see that. Don't see that at all. Uh, maybe the right guy they want to attract in there um, three years from now. The right guy, maybe the right fit um, that is maybe had experience. You come in, you be the guy, you know, maybe. Let's revisit that down the road. I, I don't see that being the case. Um, Jeffrey Parrott says, good morning, um, rest in, good morning, uh, rest in peace. Did you know, uh, him, Chris? Knew Jim very well, um, knew him, guys, from his Utah days and obviously with the Giants and, um, yeah, we're losing, a, losing a few of those guys that, um, that, that, I still consider pretty young, but Jim was Jim was a good coach, good quarterback teacher, had some really good ideas. I was not aware that, that th things were bad, and I'm not quite sure of the details of it, but yeah, rest in peace with him. Um, tough transition, but um, as we mentioned last week, when Arkansas lost Brad Davis as offensive line coach, Cody Kennedy was going to be moved over from tight end coach. Uh, and that's what's happened. Uh, it is one of the things in that system where the tight end coach is really involved with working with the tackles as well. So it's a natural transition, and particularly with that scheme and that blocking scheme and with Sam Pittman there. That's the most seamless transition at this point. Not ideal to lose a coach. In fact, it's it's the worst time to lose a coach. But it's all the more reason to keep it uh, in the system um, and into the staff. The Julio Jones trade was completed. Uh, we mentioned at Landry football uh, kind of how that was playing out. Tennessee was in it from the beginning. Um, Thoughts are solid trade for Atlanta, considering that they had no leverage. Um, they had to get out of his contract. It had to be post-June 1st to get maximum 
um, alleviation of the cap figure. And because of that, they weren't going to get what people think Julio Jones should command. Um, Ring of Honor player, all of that. Well, look, you're going to get, why didn't you get it done for this trip? Well, I can tell you, people were not offering second-round picks in this past draft pre-June for Julio Jones. There was never a first-round pick. There was, you know, don't tell me there's speculation I read here. Folks, I know what you're reading. There is no first-round offer for him because you're acquiring his contract. And Julio Jones and his contract is not worth as much as just Julio Jones without the contract. As a player, he's certainly on the wrong side of 30. Still very talented. If he's healthy, if, and staying healthy is maybe the biggest obstacle the rest of the way. Tennessee has got themselves a really good player. Now, they let a really good young big receiver go to get an older aging guy. Julio could be a difference maker. I think you'll have more productivity if he's healthy, particularly in the red zone for Tennessee, than he ever did in Atlanta or did in Atlanta um, the past few years. Why? Tennessee can run the football. So in the red zone, you can manipulate safeties in the box and get more single high looks and work the fade with the safety having to cheat a little bit more in the middle of the field you're going to see Julio Jones have more opportunities. As opposed to with the Falcons, this is part of understanding play calling and not not understanding maybe what it appears versus what's reality. So the Falcons have been a bad, you know, not getting the ball to Julio Jones. Can't get him in the red zone. Not calling his number. Folks, calling his number. But without a running game in Atlanta, that's respected by the opposing defense. Even in single high looks, the free safety's cheating over to Julio's side. So you got the corner and you got the safety. You're not going to be able to work the fade route. Now, the inability to got had some success away from him, but why isn't Julio getting it? That's why. Now, they can run the football, and you're going to play that look, and you're going to run it, then all of a sudden, you can manipulate that safety, right? Then you get that better matchup. Well, that's what I think Tennessee can do a little bit better, a lot better, actually, with, with Derrick Henry in particular. So uh, I think he has a chance to be really successful. And in a division where I think Tennessee's a strong contender without Julio Jones, I think it puts them right there in the mix. Houston is in a rebuild. Jacksonville's in a rebuild, excuse me, it's Indy and Tennessee. And it's, there she goes. Aaron Rodgers, um, curious to see what develops. He's not going to, apparently, not going to show up at um, mandatory minicamp. Are they going to find him? Not, they can. Let me just say this. Because um, I really, you know, side... This one's wrong. That side's wrong. To me, it's, I don't even care to have that conversation. What I would say is I always try to look at 
how to advance the topic or how to provide some insight and how do you deal with the situation. I said before, the lack of communication, the poor job that's been done in communicating this whole situation is led to this problem. If I'm taking it over right now and I wasn't involved in it, well then then you could it's probably a different situation. But in their situation, the best thing they can do open up dialogue and say, look, we know you're not happy. Hear them out. Uh, work with them, uh, and if possible, say, look, um, we'll, we'll, we'll look at this, and we'll look at a trade possibility, or we'll, we'll trade you at the end of the year. Let's see if we can't move forward this year, deal with it, and let's go ahead and, and you know, We'll, we'll deal with, look, will you, will you show up, figure out where he is and what he wants to show up with, um, with workouts and whatnot. I, you know, here's the thing. It's hard because people say, how would you deal with it? It's hard to, it's hard to say how I would deal with something that I haven't been involved in those conversations. So, you know, Am I, am I having to go back on something I said? Am I, am I having to clarify something I said? To me, it's, it really sounds simple, but it really is communicate. We need you, we want you, and, and, and I do think proper communication has led to this regression of, of a cohesive environment. So, if you got to move on, I think you got to do the, what's best. Has it gotten too far to where he's drawn a line in the sand? It appears that it has. Is it irreparable? It appears that it is. Can it be corrected? Well, I think I think most things can be corrected. Is this one of them? I don't know. Rock says, no fan of Rogers, but I feel totally disrespected after asking for wide receiver draft help and getting the air pair instead. Today's players are coddled and babied, but that was incredibly stupid by Green Bay. Um, well, look, I, you can talk about asking for help. There are two things. There's a philosophy, and then there's the decision. The, the philosophy is that, um, you got to do what's best for your organization. You've got to draft the best player. You've got to deal with things along those lines. And you can't worry about, well, a player, I want to receive it. Well, what if there's not somebody that you've got graded there? That's not for the player to decide. Um, but if you take a player to kind of, I'm going to show you, spite you type of thing, well, then that's, that's, that's not as well. So um, anyway, you know, I think those are those are some valid points. Um, G two and O Rev would like for Elijah Moore to get to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers to have. Yeah, it would have been nice, um, but I don't know. 
apparently it would have been a moot point because apparently Aaron's not going to play anyway. Uh, Chris, what can NFL general managers do to keep the NFL from becoming like the NBA and players start being like LeBron? Jeffrey, it's um, it's it's not quite the same as the NBA. The, the what can be done is what's already done. The lack of guaranteed contracts. Um, now signing bonuses are a form of guarantee, right? So that there's there's some parts of the contract signing bonuses that are guaranteed. So that's but there's certain things you can go after if a guy doesn't show up, like like Aaron Rodgers. You can go back and get some of the money. Um, the, the 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 answer is because of the nature of the sport, the volatility of the sport um, is not likely to have the guaranteed money unless it's a one-year deal. So it, it's you, I don't think you're going to have that. I also think while football has the prima donnas, football has um, players that um, Aaron Rodgers that come in that type of presence of elite player um, kind of control things. It's not as prevalent as, as the NBA guys, which are a lot more of them. And it seems like every team has them. Um, whereas in the NFL, it's not, not quite the case. Um, but there's some out there. Who's more to blame for uh, Roxa? Who's more to blame for the Rams' regression, McVay or Golf? Was McVay right in trading Golf? Yeah. They, well, first of all, they didn't spend a whole lot of money. Um, they spent a lot of money on Jared Golf. Um, anyway, um, and and that was a bad contract. Uh, the biggest problem that they have there is the front office. They don't have a good football guy. McVay's the strength there. Um, Golf was overvalued and overpaid, and so trading him makes some sense. I think Stafford can be effective for them, more effective. But then again, it's still a lot of money, and it's still beyond that. I think it's quarterback friendly. I think the system works. I think we've seen it. You've seen the coaching work very well. I think the personnel side of it has been very, very spotty. So um, it's it's more the, the personnel that they have. Um couple questions I want to end with here. One, why are articles coming out about expanding the playoffs to 12 as opposed to 6 or 8? It's a good question, and we don't know what they're going to do. The reason why we're dealing with the expansion along the lines of 12 is... Um, You're trying to satisfy everyone. And, and what I mean by everyone, everyone that has a vote, that has a voice in college football, not not the fans, but because, you know, people are going to like it, people are going to dislike it, whatever. What, it, what we're getting into is automatic birth, which a lot of people have always thought. You win your league, you get in. Okay, that's what you're going to do. Then you're not getting the best teams in. So do you want to have it to where you have, well, you know, you got five power conferences. you got a group of five, which is thought the best group of five should get into that six. 
Well, that leaves only two at-larges if you go to eight. So what do you deal with that? Um, do, do now you take, you, you're limiting the at-large teams. And so now you got really good at-large teams that are going to lose their spot. So if you've got really three good at-large teams, they're going to lose a spot to a guaranteed spot team. And I don't think the, the, the Big Ten, the SEC are not going to want that. They're going to want the teams because the third best team in the SEC might be pretty doggone good, really good. I mean, you know, you can look at an Alabama, Georgia, an A&M, an LSU, whatever. You may have three or four teams that are really good. Well, this allows for those teams that are good enough to still get in as an at-large team. So I don't know. I don't think they're going to say you only take three or four. They're certainly not going to limit it. But it gives those teams that are at-large good a chance to get in, get the group of five contingent in. You win your conference in. That's why I think there's a strong lean to that. I think going to eight is only under consideration if you say we're going to do it the same way and we're going to pick the eight best. But you can't take the eight best if you give automatic bids. Because then now, you're again, you're eliminating a team that's really good, really deserving. Maybe not a national championship caliber team, but hell, you only got two or three of those. So we can make the case that the fourth team in some of these years haven't been nearly as good as the top two or three. But as you go down, maybe you're going to have some better matchups, not at the top, but maybe those others. Now, as I've said before, what is it going to do to the regular season? Well, it's going to change the regular season because you're going to have certain teams that you know are going to get in. I mean, they're going to have to do their job and win, but you know that, Certain teams are virtual locks to get in to a 12-team playoff. What it will do is it will take other teams and other games and say um, uh, two four-loss teams in a division that's still in the division race. That game becomes more important because you're still alive to win your division and then you're still alive to potentially win your conference and then get a bid. Um, if you're maybe two loss, two two loss teams, you know maybe a third loss knocks you out. Two losses might still get you uh, uh, an at large. So it takes it maybe takes a, I don't know maybe it takes a Florida Auburn game, you know, you know, um, and and those both of those teams or one of those teams could end up being the third team you know, in a, in a, uh, in an at-large, maybe even the fourth, but I think it'll take different games and make those games more relevant, but the bigger games where the, the elite, you'll win, you're probably going to make the playoffs. If you lose, you are, you're not going to make the playoffs. Um, Nola Jack asked a couple of NFL coordinator questions. Is there a reason to think Matt Canada will fare better with the Steelers than he did at LSU. How did Dave Vergon go from Mitch Trubisky quarterback coach to coordinator job? Um, well, first of all, Dave Vergon's a really good coach. Uh, well, I, he, he didn't do a bad job of coaching Mitch Trubisky. Um, so he's 
the answer is very well thought of. Uh, the reason Matt Canada will fare better, uh, because Matt Canada has been very successful everywhere he's been. You know, the problem at LSU was more of the problem that Matt's had is you know, in some cases getting along, and that's why I advised him not, him and, and Ed not getting together at LSU. Now, that didn't go well there, but um, guy's done a pretty good job at, at pretty much everywhere he's been. That's why he's moved up. So I think he's the, 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 the reason why he's probably going to do a good job in Pittsburgh is because he's been there. He wasn't just hired there. He was promoted from within because he did such a good job. So, um, you know, he's got a little bit more control now, but he's been running it. The quarterback likes him. The offensive line, everybody there likes him, and he's been coaching there in the Steelers staff, and he's done a lot of the coordinator duties, so it was a natural move. So we'll see how well it works. Don't know. Um I see Najee Harris is the best fit of the entire draft. He would take the heat off of Big Ben and the defense. Enough for the Super Bowl. No, I don't think um, that it's enough for the Super Bowl. But we'll see. If they're healthy, I think the defense has to stay healthy. And um, that was the big problem last year. The offensive line still not very good. I don't think um, they're good enough to go to the Super Bowl. I think they're still looking up. Right now, you're going to have to be a really good team to beat the Chiefs. I think the, the Bills are a better-looking team right now. Right now, the Steelers have got to get out of their own division. And I think Baltimore and Cleveland are going to be competitive. So I, I would say right now, no, but I could alter that. Quick uh, question here, we're in on this. Um, and, and we'll go into a little bit more detail with this. Um, Chris, could you go over the when things started to change for University of Florida football. Um, football success. Okay. Um, well, the Florida, it, it, it combines with the population boom. Florida had some success over the years. Good players, you know, some teams that are pretty good, but, but certainly not Apollo. Um, you go back to Coach Graves, did a pretty good job there. But again, you know, nothing that stood out. Doug Dickey went back, he's a Florida grad, <clears throat> didn't, you know, didn't do things all that well. I think where Florida began to change was under Charlie Pell. They hired Charlie Pell from Clemson. Of all the Bear Bryant assistants, Charlie Pell was the best at branding and marketing the program and fundraising. He was the the guy that got Ipte started, which I pay thirty a year is in Bowser at Clemson. Now, I'm not saying he was he was the director of it, he was the head coach, but he was a lot of his ideas and he had people run it. He brought, when he went to Florida, he started something called the Bull Gators. And if you ever look at people who give money and print so small on the media, you, got, you can't even read it with a magnifying glass. Tons of people raising money. He did that. Now he got into trouble. He got into trouble at Clemson and at, at Florida um, with NCAA sanctions. There's no doubt about it. 
But that began the building of the infrastructure of a program. There were some good teams, some really good teams. Um, so I'm kind of familiar because that was the time coaching against them. And then, of course, Galen Hall stepped in and replaced them. They had some, a couple of good teams. And Gary Dornell stepped in for Galen. But that's when you saw the talent level shift. You saw the money coming into the program. And it started to, the foundation of something was there. And then after, obviously, Galen Hall and Gary Donnell was in, then they hired Bill Orangeparker, got the athletic director job. He left my place, LSU, where I was worked for him, and he became the athletic director at LSU, and then he hired Spurrier. And, and the Spurrier hire was, Spurrier had done a good job in the USFL, Spurrier had done a good job at Duke, so that was a natural fit. And Steve, obviously, was the main guy. He took the foundation of what they had, and he built an offense that was fantastic. He built an offense that was not seen in the SEC before, tough to defend, new, having to adjust to it, and he took them to a different level. So that's a short answer of, you know, and you can say, well, who's more important? Well, you know, it's if, if Charlie doesn't do his part, well, then... You know, it's not that Steve couldn't have success. It may have taken longer. He would have had to do some. When Steve got there, the program had put together the foundation and the infrastructure to be good. And Steve could be a ball coach and be a very good one. You know, would he have had as much success early? Um, not quite sure. You know, it might have taken a little bit longer. So that's kind of the history. But, you know, prior to that, I mean, you had guys that, that did good jobs. I mean, Steve is a player, you know, um, you know, uh, had some success there. And, um, you know, but, uh, you know, Coach Graves and, you know, uh, Carlos Alvarado, and, I mean, they, they, they're some really good players. But the, the, the program at the elite level uh, didn't didn't hit until Spurrier got there. And he took – if you want to look at it in a, in a way and make a comparison, it's not a complete out comparison. Tony Dungy built the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then John Gruden got them over the top. Um, you know, I think Spurrier did more, you know, football-wise for Florida than maybe Gruden was able to do. Gruden just kind of fixed the offense. Everything was there for Tampa to win a championship. But Florida wasn't ready to win a championship. But they, infrastructure-wise, was able to make the type of money and put things in place to be successful. And you combine all of that with the population boom. So now you got all these high schools and a lot more and tax money and people moving in. It just created a better environment for football. Hey, folks, we're going to be – I got, uh, got a repair person that's uh, stopped by here. I'm going to check out and see what that is. Um, I think it's the termite inspection time, so I need to need to make sure that uh, he's taken care of there. So I'm going to run away a little bit earlier today. Apologize. We will be back tomorrow for SEC football and beyond. Same time, we will be back with Neil on Friday for another edition of SEC football and beyond. Check out our scouts breakdown previews of these college programs. You're going to love it. Detailed information. If you're not yet a member of LandryFootball.com, what are you waiting for? Take advantage of the scouting season offer today. want to thank the great folks at Blue Skies. They believe in being fast, 
fresh, friendly, thoughtful, cleanliness. Um, they provide customers with the easy buying experience from services to products. They keep things fresh. Freshest flavors, the best brand name products, the best services available. They bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores and even better customer experience. A smile can say it all and that's what they do. They want to show their customers that they care about them, their shopping experience. They will always strive to improve their efforts to improve exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any of the 48 store locations across the southeast. And Alpha Specialists, great folks. They're your trailer-specific professionals in Mississippi. If you want to, want to haul it, they can call it. Alpha is the premier trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail, the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment, dumping gooseneck trailers being built today, fully primed and power-coated. Load trailers uh, come with an industry-leading three-star warranty, two years of roadside assistance. Alpha Specialties has a Hallmark cargo trailers, one of the more quality cargo trailers on the market, best quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods and market shows, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars and more. Alpha can even work with third parties to have gaming trailers and concession trailers built. For podcast listeners, Alpha has spare tires, wheels starting at just $100. Alpha has a full selection of trailer parts, accessories, hitches, winches, straps, and more. They do all types of truck accessories. Listeners can also get 10% off the yearly trailer service and inspection Alpha fully service shop can provide for you. They can repair all types of trailers, concession, harsh, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, and RV. Give them a call at 601-932-9798. That's 601-932-9798. Or check them out at www.alphaofms.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about them right here. So, folks, we appreciate you joining us again. Check out uh, the latest information in the notebooks, uh, as well as uh, we'll be breaking down a little bit more. I'm going to get to my all-conference teams and kind of how I'm looking at things right now heading in um, to the season. But we'll be breaking down team by team for you over at LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of that today. Hope you have a great one. We'll talk to you next time, everyone. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.